May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I have props today. Forgive me, video people. This is part four of the sermon, so get ready. No laughter for a big giant stack of books, really? All right. Y'all have been away for a while, but thank you for being here today. And for those of you tuning in, um, it's a great privilege to be with you here today as we continue in our sermon series. You all know that as a parish, St. Michael's is on this wonderful trajectory, right? We started about a year and a half ago thinking about God's grace in our lives. And once we can recognize God's grace in our lives, that leads us to a position, to a heart uh, that's focused on gratitude, on giving thanks for all the gifts that we have, the good gifts that God gives us. And when we begin to live our lives with a spirit of gratitude, from that comes this spirit of generosity, of wanting to share of all the things that God has given to us from our time, our talent, and our treasure. Uh, And that, of course, is our stewardship how we contribute to God's kingdom throughout the world, especially as we do through here at St. Michael's. Today is our Stewardship Sunday. I encourage you to read and watch all the videos um, as we continue on this trajectory. After we think about our stewardship, we think about what it means for us to be disciples, followers of Jesus. And that's this whole series that we're in right now. And as we grow in our discipleship, ultimately, we begin to live in a covenant relationship with God. And that's how we live out our lives in the world. As we're on that trajectory and in the middle of this sermon series, literally the middle Uh, 9 and 11, we've got different sermons every Sunday. We've got podcasts um, almost daily, and we've got these wonderful discipleship journals for you to participate in to help you during this seven weeks to really think about your personal discipleship and how you can grow in it. If you don't have one of these, there's some on the tables in the narthex. You can call or email the church. We'll be happy to mail you one. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about these in a bit. As we go through this series and cover topics such as scripture study and prayer and worship, giving and evangelism. Today we're going to look at some additional spiritual practices. And I've got a couple uh, that I want to talk about specifically, uh, but just know there are tons of ways that you can grow in your faith and your discipleship through Christian spiritual practices. Our intent as a church, as leadership, as Uh, volunteers is to help one another to grow in our faith daily and weekly so that our faith and actions will be made known in the world. Now, in today's gospel, Jesus gives us a very chilling reason why we need to grow. Because if we don't, Jesus says this, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produce the fruits of the kingdom. Yikes! The kingdom of God will be taken away from you. You won't have it anymore. And given it to some other people who are willing to bear fruits of the kingdom. My friends, if that doesn't startle you in your boots this morning, it should. We are called. We are encouraged. We are commanded to bear good fruit in the world. This parable of the wicked tenants, it's a tough one to hear. It's really difficult in light of all the anti-Semitic language in our country and in the world today. 
But in actuality, this parable is not a speaking into history. It's speaking to you and I today, encouraging us to examine how are we treating all that God has given to us? Being a disciple of Jesus means that we use what God has given us to bear fruit, fruit that will last. A couple of years ago, my family was privileged to inherit two fruit trees from Jesse and Bill Murray uh, as they moved to Atlanta. This past winter, I did a very poor job of protecting the trees, which caused a pretty serious impact on their health and production. One tree, through grace alone, managed to flower and fruit this year. But the other, because of my neglect and my failure to protect the trees, the other did not. There's a consequence of how we care for trees, California, And the same is true for our spiritual lives. The men of St. Michael's this fall are in the process of reading C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Mere Christianity. And I've been reminded of an important tenet of the Christian faith. We all have a choice. There's some quadrants of how we can treat our faith. One way is to neglect it or even to push it away. Now, if you neglect your faith or push it away, it's not going to have a lot of impact in your life. But if we want to bear much fruit and prove to be Jesus' followers, we need to nourish and protect our faith. Nourishing and protecting is what we're doing when we engage in Christian practices, in spiritual practices. The habits that we form shape us. They prune away our broken and unhealthy branches. They help us to grow in the light of the sun and to bear fruit. And we have to protect and nourish our faith if we are to grow. As I mentioned, there's a ton of of Christian spiritual practices that can help you do that. In addition to the ones covered by our sermon series, there are some fairly traditional ones you can find in Scripture and throughout all of Christian history. The traditional practices of fasting, of praying the hours. We've got morning prayer, noonday prayer, evening prayer, Compline in our prayer book. The practices of meditation, of celebrating sacred meals and seasons. Today, I want to focus on four specific practices, two sets of two, that have been extraordinarily helpful to me in my own faith journey. So I'm going to start with, number one, following the lives of the saints. In our tradition, and in many traditions throughout the world, um, daily prayer and recognition with the saints, not two, Uh, An acknowledgement of their lives and ministry is a very helpful and fruitful practice. A long time ago in the Episcopal Church, uh, we decided that in addition to our major feast days like Christmas and Easter and Pentecost and Epiphany, that we would celebrate lesser feasts and fasts. And so these are days in which we can remember the other apostles, uh, other folk from Scripture, uh, famous saints of old. And we've kind of expanded that. And now we have this book called A Great Cloud of Witnesses. You can find this online. It's really easy to access. And almost every day of the year, uh, a different saint, like you and I are saints, is covered. You might know today, October 4th, is a particular important saint day. It's the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. And we will celebrate St. Francis this afternoon in our annual gathering and blessing of our pets. West parking lot, 430. See you there. If you don't know a lot about St. Francis, let me just tell you, I'm, many of you do, he's, he's probably the most well-known 
most admired, most popular, and least imitated saint of all. (laughs) Francis grew up very wealthy, and in his youth, he had a lot of fun, and he tried to win some glory for himself through military conquest. But through his travels as a young man, he encountered some beggars and some lepers and people who needed help and began to question what all the wealth that he had really meant in the world. And against his father's wishes, Francis swore off all of his wealth and began to serve Lady Poverty. Francis became a servant of the poor. Francis' ministry was so inspiring that literally thousands of people began to follow him. They founded whole order, it's called the Franciscans, who are really dedicated to serve the poor of the world. Now, of course, for many of us, the idea of giving up everything we have to serve the poor is a very difficult leap of faith. But what we can do each and every day when we encounter a saint like Francis, or later this week like William Tyndale, or whoever is the next day on the calendar, we can read a little bit about them. And these books have scripture passages that line up with them, and a prayer uh, which summarizes or collects uh, their life and ministry and inspires us. Here's the prayer for St. Francis today. Most high, omnipotent, good Lord, grant your people grace to renounce gladly the vanities of this world, that following the way of blessed Francis, we may, for love of you, delight in your whole creation with perfectness of joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a great prayer. Francis is an inspiring saint who hopefully will encourage us to glory in God's good and perfect creation and to renounce the vanities of our lives so that we might serve those in need. So I commend to you as a a spiritual Christian practice following the lives of the saints. And this first one is tied in with the second, and that's Christian pilgrimage. Now, pilgrimage is an intentional journey with the hopes of encountering God through the process of the journey, not just at the final destination, going and coming. Uh, made famous by Canterbury Tales, Chaucer's book, um, made well-known here uh, through Mary's ministry with our women who have been to hike the Camino de Santiago. Um, We'll do so again uh, in many other ways. So traditionally, sacred space uh, has a profound impact on people. Now, going on a pilgrimage does not have to mean that you get on an airplane and travel around the world. You can do so with through reading and active imagination. Traditionally, Christian pilgrims have traveled to the land of the Holy One or to visit some of those important locations of Christian history and to the resting places of some of these saints that we read about. Some of those places people have experienced the miraculous. We were just joking before the service a little bit about different places in the world where um, Jesus seems to appear to people in some very strange ways and how people make pilgrimages to shopping malls to see grilled cheese Jesus or stains on the wall. But there are also (laughs) really powerful places that we can pilgrimage to where we can fill prayer-soaked walls. I've been uh, had the privilege to be in Iona, Scotland twice, where Columba brought the good news from Ireland to the UK for the first time. And that place is an amazing place of pilgrimage. But some places that I pilgrimage to might be surprising to you. Uh, Pismo Beach may be a place you've heard about in a Bugs Bunny cartoon or perhaps in the movie Clueless. 
Um, but it's a sacred place to me. And it's a place that I do go on pilgrimage every couple years to because while I was growing up near there, it was a place where I always felt God's presence. And it continues to serve for me as a touchstone for my family and the most important relationships in my life, especially with our Lord. But again, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to leave your current physical location to go on pilgrimage. You can read you can imagine and you can pray yourself to get there. The important thing is making a commitment to go on pilgrimage, to journey with our Lord to that place. The third spiritual practice that I want to talk to you all about today, and it has to do with the fourth, is journaling. And journaling is a really powerful tool for so many different aspects of the Christian life. It's one of those tools that kind of supports all other Christian practices and kind of ties and brings everything together. Now, I want to give you uh, a fair warning. Some people are anxious about writing anything down because they're afraid someone else will read it. And if that's you, just get a safe or find a safe place or a hiding place. And it's okay to make arrangements to have your journals destroyed um, with your estate planning, that's all fine. If you're concerned that someone's going to read, there are ways to get around that. Don't let that stop you. For me, I'm, I'm actually pretty frightened that my children will get a hand of my handwritten journals and read through them and judge me. Um, so I've undertaken a practice since I've been journaling for a number of decades now uh, to kind of take my journals and to go through them uh, and sort of to craft my autobiography, my spiritual autobiography, to see how God has been moving in my life. And then the journals, when I finish with, with the, the handwritten ones, I can dispose of. It's been a good process for me, uh, particularly during the last year, to look back and to see how God has brought me to this place. We can do that through our memories, but if we write down, especially if we write daily, then it's very helpful practice to go through. One of the best things you can do with a journal of any sorts is to write down or draw expressions of gratitude to God, uh, expressions of creativity. So they could be prayers or song lyrics or poetry. You can write down your dreams, your feelings, your experiences of God. You can make art, all the things that express gratitude and thanksgiving and show forth a joyful celebration of all of God's gifts in your life. Now, one of the main mistakes that I have made in journaling over the decades is that I want to be organized. So I have a journal for dreams, and I have a journal of things to do, everyday happenings, and I have a journal of, this is Mexican restaurants in Dallas I'm supposed to eat at. <laughs> Literally, that's what it is. I've got another journal for song lyrics, and for poetry, and for my feelings. And I've got this and that. And so over the years, what I have discovered is because I have, in my attempt to be organized, I'm actually doing a poor job of effectively journeying in any of them. So during the past couple of years, I've wised up. I found something I can carry in my pocket that I can write everything in. I can write all those things I just mentioned in this one place. And then later I can go back and organize it if I need to. All you need to journal is a book and a pen. And we'll even provide a book for you today. See? 
This month, I really want to encourage each of us to, to use this. If you, even if you haven't started yet, it's not too late. Pick it up today. Start tomorrow. Journal. This is a great, has some great little uh, introductory material for each day from the scripture readings. It's a great way to engage this practice. The final practice I want to talk about today is a way that you can use journaling. You don't have to use this practice while journaling, but I find it to be most effective when, when I do. And it's called the daily examine. And it's a technique of prayerful reflection on the events of the day in order to really think through God's presence and to discern God's direction in your life. And the examine is an ancient, ancient practice in the church, and it can help us to see God's hand at work in our whole experience each and every day. And the method I'm going to line out here for you in just a second, it comes from Ignatius of, of Loyola. Ignatius thought the examine was a gift that came directly from God, and God wanted it to be shared and used as widely as possible. And in fact, one of the rules that Ignatius made for the Jesuit order was that they were to pray the examine twice a day, once at noon and once at the end of the day. It's this habit that Jesuits have, many Christians have around the world, of really being intentional about looking at how God is working in your life. What I want to say to you is, uh, it's great if you want to do this twice a day, at noon and at the end of the day, but some of us are morning people. Some of us wake up with tons of energy and thoughts, dreams to process. If that's the time for you to do it, do it then. Reflect on the previous day. Um, there's flexibility within the habit so that it can work best for you. So there's a five-step process to do the daily examine. Number one is to become aware of God's presence. It's easy to do when you're in church. It's pretty simple to do when you're at home, too. I often light a candle just to remind me that God is present in that place with me. We do it for our chapel, for our littlest ones here at our school. and encourage you to do the same at home. It doesn't have to be that, but just remind yourself and to become aware that God is present with you. That's number one. Number two is to think about the day or the past however many hours with gratitude. Give thanks for what you've experienced, even if it's been hard. There's always something to be thankful for. Number three is to pay attention to your emotions. How are you feeling? Maybe write about it. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you anxious? God wants to share that experience with you, and God wants you to be aware of your own emotions so that you can address them, so that you can reflect upon them. Number four is to choose one feature of the day and pray about it. So if something happened during the day, at the end of the day, while you're doing this examine process that was startling to you or troubling, perhaps you learned some news that's difficult to hear, pray through it. Just one thing, pick one thing and pray through that. And the final part of the examine is to look forward to the day ahead, the rest of the day ahead, or tomorrow. Become aware of God's presence. See, if you had your journals, you could just write, you write it down right now, right? Become aware of God's presence. Review the day with gratitude. Pay attention to your emotions. Choose one feature from the day and pray through it and look forward to tomorrow. That's a daily examine. And I think if you pair that up with journaling, you'll be really surprised with how God blesses you. In each of these spiritual practices, the four that we've talked about today and all the other ones, doing some is better than doing none at all. <laughs> but committing to a practice 
for a season, making it a habit. Those of you who are into diet or exercise or sports or whatever know that if you, if you do something repetitively over the course of a few weeks, 21 days is a day that's often given, it will become a habitual pattern in your life. And today I am inviting you and I'm inviting myself to commit for the rest of this month of October to using that examine practice and a journal every day at least once a day for this whole month. And then my suspicion is after October has come and gone, it'll be such a normal part of our Christian habitual life that God will continue to use those practices to help us to grow in our faith and action and to bear fruit in the world. I hope and pray this week and in the weeks to come that you and I will encourage each other as we meet and talk in intimate conversations in our smaller group ministries, as we talk with our friends throughout the month. I will be praying for you, each of you, and I ask for your prayers for one another and for me. For all the spiritual practices that God has put in our path, let us give thanks and pray. Gracious God, you call us to bear good fruit and so prove to be your disciples. Our discipleship can grow as we attempt to follow you, our Lord, more closely in the world. And we can do so by reading scripture and studying, by meditating, by fasting, by prayer, by worship. And today, Lord, as we've talked about following the lives of the saints and pilgrimage and journaling and the examine, help us to commit to growing in whatever way we need to grow in our spiritual practices so that we can grow in our faith and action in the world. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.